Welcome to Locked on Heat. On today's show, we're opening up the mailbag to talk about if Eric Spolstra should ditch the idea of positionless basketball. Plus, we'll discuss the potential impact of Dion Waiters and some trades the Heat could still make before the start of the season. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. Let's get to the show. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the Heat in the NBA for Fans Cited. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Now I'm David Ormello, credentialed NBA writer who's covered the Heat and League at Large for SB Nation and Fans Cited. You can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRamel13. It's Mailbag Monday, and we've got plenty of questions to get to, including if Deion Waiters' impact is being overstated, Never. some Hassan Whiteside trade uh, ideas, but let's start with this question from Billy, who writes in, should Miami get a little bit more, or, or should Miami get a little more, quote-unquote, positionally focused this season and abandon the totally positionless basketball approach? I like having a few Swiss Army Knife players, but I think that continuing on with the positionless, positionless approach might be keeping a few guys from reaching their full potential at their natural positions. What are your feelings on Spo's positionless basketball approach moving forward? This was a tough question, right? Like this one really caught me off guard because it's kind of hard to separate yourself from the way that the league is trending. And every way that the league is trending upward seems to be for good reasons. And Billy, you know, brings up a question at least valid in his eyes as to whether or not Miami's approach might be the wrong one. Uh, And I can't help but think that this is kind of like a veiled question of support regarding Hassan Whiteside. Because of all the players on this roster, you know, who play a significant amount of time, Whiteside seems the most out of place as far as what quote-unquote positionless basketball is because he is very limited in what he can do as a center. He's not going to switch around. He doesn't switch defensively very well. Um, and offensively, he's not versatile enough as a passer um, or a scorer to provide the kind of dynamic, versatile approach that makes positionless basketball so effective in today's league. So when you're looking at this question, I kind of saw it as, why are we not using Hassan Whiteside properly? Did you see it the same way? No, I actually saw it as a Josh Richardson question about why, uh, another comment about Josh Richardson should be playing shooting guard. That's how I looked at it. I, I, think, I, I, I think you're projecting there. I think you just think that he's not being used properly. <laughs> um, I, I just, I don't know that this is the proper diagnosis for the problem that Miami has. It's not the fact that this roster is not conducive to positionless basketball. I don't think that anybody on this roster is really being... I don't think anybody's potential is being hurt by playing guys in quote-unquote positionless, and I actually don't think that the Heat were all that positionless last season. You know, James Johnson is a power forward. Yeah, Josh Richardson is a 2-3. Goran Dragic is a point guard. Johnson was like, effective two years ago at the center position, and he didn't play center at all last year because we had not Olenek, at Adebayo, and Whiteside. Olenek is a center. Like, he is a center, and he played a little bit of power forward. Bam Adebayo is a center. He played a little bit of power forward because he can. Um, but I don't really... I Justice Winslow was about as positionless as it was. Other than that, everybody pretty much had their position. I don't... I don't necessarily see that. I think that there's some schematic issues. I don't think that Whiteside can switch. And I think that's a problem. I, I think that the Heat should probably stop asking him to do so. Yeah. 
Um, but I don't. That's not a positionless thing. I, I think that's just the wrong word. I think there's some schematic things that the Heat need to fix. But look, I. I have no problem. I think there should be more positionless. Yes. I think play Justice Winslow more at point guard. Play Josh Richardson more all the way around. Play James Johnson more all at center. I think that if we really look at what Miami does, or, or if you look at the strength of the personnel, is it has those Swiss Army Knife players. We should be playing them more like Swiss Army Knives and less in their position. Right. Like I, going back to James Johnson, he should be playing. There should be more small ball. You know, unfortunately, there is too many centers on the roster. Um, to do to do it with, but there should be more James Johnson, Justice Winslow at center. Uh, I think they need more size. I think that would help having a couple more wings at like six eight, six nine. If you look at what the Celtics have done recently with guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, yep. they need more of those guys, more of those long wings. I think they need more of that. They need more shooting, which it goes hand in hand with positionless basketball. But they they should keep going on that path. I don't think that the answer is to just to sort of go back and, and just try to throw this back to, to traditional positions and like 90s and early 2000s type of basketball because the league is going past that. I agree 100%. Uh, I mean, I, I think from its premise, positionless basketball is just having more talented, more versatile, and more capable players that can do a lot more out on the floor. And I think when you look at what you just mentioned there, the, the approach from older times – it was a center who was limited in what they could do. They were probably bigger than most of today's centers. They could only back up other players in the low post. They couldn't draw out to the three-point line. Players like that were, were seen as weak or soft. You know, the first players that kind of drifted towards that three-point line, you question, look, even a guy like Chris Bosch, who from the center position in Toronto used to spot up from 15 to 17 feet, he was considered quote-unquote soft. You know, by guys like Shaquille O'Neal, right. who were from the previous era where it was just a low post game. So, I mean, do you really really need to go back to those archetypes of a, a pass-first point guard when you have a player like Steph Curry who plays the point but can score 30, 40 points a game? Or a Russell Westbrook who can score a triple-double on any occasion? Um, you know, is that better to have somebody that could ha- notch, you know, 11 to 12 assists while giving you 8 to 10 points per game? I, I don't think so. I don't see why that would be the case. I mean, you still have wing players that are capable of guarding a number of positions. And maybe Richardson plays a little out of position, but that's mostly because of his physical limitations and the fact that he's a little too slight and not heavy enough to, to defend larger players that could take advantage of that, that, uh, that physicality. And because, the Heat, and because the Heat don't have a true small forward on the roster Good because point. they have so many guards. Like, I don't right. think that Spolster is playing Josh Richardson at the three because... There's he no other wants option. to play Josh Richardson. It's just that's where he has to play. Right. And um, like I said, I think there's some personnel issues, and I don't, I, I would not equate that to a positionless approach. Now Miami, I think if you could trade, let's say Dion Waiters, right. right, for a guy on the, you know, on the perimeter who has a little bit more length, you know, for like a six eight small forward. Now you could start talking about moving Josh Richardson to the two, and now the Heat are probably better, but. That's a different. That's a different problem. That's why I go. I think we're misdiagnosing the issue here. It's not that Spolstra is so convinced of being positionless that he wants to play. He wants to be small at certain positions. I don't think that's. The, I think it's just what he has to do with the with the roster that he has. Yeah. Um, and I think you bring up a great point and, that that Miami was probably more positionally focused than most teams around the league. I, I think mm-hmm. they were kind of stuck with the limitations of this roster, where to the point where look, Goran Dragic 
isn't guarding players one through five. You know, he's not that type of point guard. You know, Justice Winslow would be that type of point guard. Dragic is not. And and Whiteside, as we just talked about, is not the kind of player that can go one through five either. They they, they yeah. were limited. And, then, and this sense. this team defensively doesn't switch, which is uh when we go back to position like we first of all, I don't know how positionless the NBA really is. I can go to Milwaukee as probably the most positionless basketball team. Because they play Giannis at center very often. And he's like point guard on offense, center on defense. Even the Warriors, they still play a traditional center you know, to start games. I don't. You can go down the line and very clearly tell who plays what position. I don't know how positionless you know, the NBA really is. I think that's actually... I don't really like the term. Um, I actually like what Brad Stevens has yes. been talking about with ball handlers, wings, and, bigs. and big men. That's really what the league is. Not, you, know, you, don't, you have three positions, not five. Um, and but, it's easy for him to talk about when he has a big and Al Horford that can yeah, do all three things. Exactly. And uh, I think, you know, Miami should actually do more positionless. They should be switching defensively, but they need to they need to clear out some of the personnel, mainly Hassan Whiteside. Um, and we've got questions about that later on. But first, let's. Th- there's been a lot of talk about getting Dion Waiters back and how much of an impact he'll actually make. We'll talk about what that'll look like after this quick break. Back with Locked On Heat, we'll talk about a trade idea involving the Heat and the Cavs later on. But let's take this question from Brian, who asks, um, I know that everyone likes to think the Heat were, on Dion Wa- were a Dion Wa- Waiters away from actually contending in the East, but how true is that? In his first year in Miami, Dion was still a negative in the box plus minus. He still shot 42% from the field and shot mid-60s from the free throw line. And outside of a two-month stretch, was a pretty poor player overall. This, on top of the fact that he's been legitimately bad and has made his team worse every other stop he's been, outside of the playoffs and OKC, where according to the numbers, he still wasn't even great. That being said, where does this confidence in Dion come from? Excluding that 30-11 and 11 stretch, he's been a bad to below average NBA player, even in Miami. So why do people think he'll suddenly turn it around, turn it around and be not only a decent NBA player, but rather a great NBA player, is that only based on that run? I'm not buying it. So after that soliloquy from Brian, um, look, just attacking Dion Waiters on a very pro Dion Waiters podcast. So good job for Brian for having the courage to do that. But uh, there, there, he does have some good points because it doesn't, it doesn't only come from fans. We've heard Eric Spolster, Pat Riley talk about how much they players on that roster talk about how much they missed Dion Waiters, how much they missed his ability to create off the the dribble, get his own shot. Um, and I do think that we are overstating what Deion Waiters can provide this roster because even in the 30 games he played last year, he wasn't good. He was bad. But you can and attribute I don't, that to injury, though. You can attribute that to injury. So if he's back and healthy, I still think that given what Dion has been his entire career, we, we are... I think we should have lower expectations of what we expect wow. Dion Waiters to be. I think that we should, and I don't. I'm not saying that to bash Dion. I just I don't know that he's. I don't know how much how many games is are the Heat gonna win because Dion Waiters is back. I enough. I think he's got potential, but I just I don't know that he is. Oh, you've given up on Dion. It's, it's fine. I'm not giving up on Dion. I'm it was just, one I'm bad saying, year. One bad year, and they finally broke you because you know, a year almost to this day. You and I had Matt Moore, formerly of CBS Sports, now of the Action Network, and we talked to him at length about Dion Waiters. And he came on his podcast specifically because of our viewpoint on Dion and the possibility of him coming on our team and everything else. You know, I, I, I'm just surprised, to be honest with you. I thought, you know, 
I, I look at Dion and I, I absolutely recognize that he has faults in his game. His free throw shooting in particular, not as good as you'd like. And, you know, the three-point shooting could be better, etc. His finishing at the rim, obviously, those are all things that he could improve. And I, I acknowledge Brian's point 100%. Now, there are other things that he brings to the uh, to the table. And I really feel like those are, are worthy attributes there. Uh, and I think as far as what Brian points out about how bad he's been over the course of his career, he was in a pretty terrible Cleveland Cavaliers team, and you can say whatever. I mean, a lot of people would say that Kyrie Irving is a top 20 player in today's league, um, maybe even a top 10 in some people's viewpoints. And he was on that same team with Dion too, and he was pretty much garbage at that point. So, I mean, that was a really bad roster trying to rebuild minus LeBron James and not doing a very good job of it. So I don't know that you can put that blame on Dion trying to figure out his role as a 19-year-old coming to the league. Like, I mean, that's the thing that we're considering. You know, Dion's in his sixth season now. Um, and he, he's still trying to figure out the kind of player that he's supposed to be. I mean, this was his sixth season last year, and he only played a handful of games, not as many as he could have. He was injured the year before as well. So you know, there's still potential for him, and I think he's still young enough where he can realize that potential. And as far as what he does bring to the table, there's a level of aggression. We've already talked about at length and on a number of occasions what a versatile defender he is. He can guard mm-hmm. one through five. He has the ability to do so. He's a great playmaker. He can create shots for others. That drive and kick offense that was so good during that 30-11 stretch and for most of that season was really much built on him and Goran Dragic attacking the paint and finding perimeter shooters that were capable of knocking down the three-point shot. And that was what was missing from last year. I mean, I know, yes. that, they ch- I know that they strayed away from that by design, but at the same time, a lot of that had to do with Dion being absent and, and not available. And I think they could have probably used a lot more of that as the season progressed, but Dion wasn't available. I think, you know, he creates shots at the rim for others, particularly Hassan Whiteshead, because if he drives to the rim, he's going to draw a number of defenders. And for better or for worse, Dion is always going to take that shot. But at least if he takes that shot while he's drawing two defenders, there's a good chance that leaves Hassan Whiteside open to clean up his misses at the rim. And that makes, that look, it, it results in two points nonetheless. So you could say Hassan is more effective, but that's based off of Dion's there is, aggression. There is a missing link element to Dion Waiters' game and what he brings to the Heat. And I'm agreeing with everything that you say. But he is inefficient. Um, he is inconsistent on defense. And the numbers show that he does not have that much of a positive impact on winning. And I don't want to just be an advanced stats guy, but that stuff matters. And I don't know that he... like. I Again, I agree with everything you're saying. And yeah. the Heat will be better with Dion Waiters healthy. Right. I just don't know how much better they'll, that they'll be. And the other the other element we have to think about here is without Dion Waiters, that allowed Josh Richardson to emerge last season as a go-to scoring option. Mm. If Dion had been playing, Josh Richardson does not get that opportunity to the level that he did. Like He doesn't have that December that he had um, if Dion Waiters is healthy. And so I wonder when you have Dragic, Waiters, and Josh Richardson starting in that backcourt, does Josh Richardson have the opportunity that he had last year to emerge to get better to put his talents on display and to develop because between Waiters and Dragic alone, that's kind of all of the basketball. And I don't know. I just, I, I wonder what, I wonder what this team looks like with Dion because it's very different than the team that he signed a one-year deal, prove it contract with two years ago. Now, now, I mean, let's get into team. that then. Like what, what is the expected impact? That's a part of Brian's yeah. question. What do you think this team looks like with Dion there? We presume that he's going to start at the two. Yes. Um, we if talked he's about healthy, this he If he's healthy, he's yeah. going to start at the two. 
with Dwayne Wade backing him up. Josh Richardson will continue at the three. Um, mm-hmm. Either Winslow or James Johnson will start at the four alongside Hassan Whiteside, who we assume will also be healthy. So that's that seems yeah. to be the starting lineup. If he's in there, he'll share ball handling duties, which means that Richardson won't be handling the ball as much, which means he'll probably have to be relegated more to a catch-and-shoot type role, which might be better for him, I think. And I think that's another thing, too. If, yeah. if Dion. If Dion's healthy, and I know that's a lot of what we're building on is Dion's health, I think between him and Goron and their ability to drive to the rim, they'll draw multiple defenders away from Richardson, who is not that good a ball handler and not that good at creating his own shot, and that'll free up lanes for Richardson to expand upon his athleticism to get to the rim more easily or that's to a get point. a wide-open shot. Look, I, like I said, I think Dion makes a positive impact. I wonder if the Heat go back to that drive-and-kick offense. It's, it's sort of weird, right? Do you build around the backcourt of Dion and Goran Dragic and go back to that drive-and-kick offense? And then maybe do you put Kelly Olenek at the four? Because now you're not asking him to get involved in the paint as much and stuff. You're really just asking him to be like Luke Babbitt on steroids. Yes. Um, like James Johnson's three-point shooting should improve with Dion in the starting lineup alongside him. True. And without the sports hernia, which I can only imagine hurt his three-point shooting last year. Um So if he's healthy, then that helps. Justice Winslow's three-point shooting started to develop, but I think he's... Probably a guy who comes off the bench and plays situ- situationally. Not, I don't mean that in, it, that he's going to play fewer minutes. I still think he'll play at least 20 minutes a game, but it'll just depend on the matchup. If he's playing like point justice or if he's playing at the four, it just depends on who who the Heat are playing that night. But um, it's kind of like the Heat are at a point where they don't really have anybody to build around, so you sort of just build around general themes and ideas, and maybe that theme is just Miami's drive and kick backcourt. Maybe they go back to that. Or... Maybe they go to what they were doing last year, and they have more of that ball, f- that flow, you know, motion offense, um, lot of, all the dribble handoffs and things like that. That Kelly Olynyk and Bam Adebayo and Justice Winslow and James Johnson are also good at. Right. Um, and what does Deion Waiters look like in that in, in that sort of setup? Because we saw that at the beginning of last year, and he didn't look good. But again, he was unhealthy. So uh, I think again, Waiters will have a positive impact, but I just want to keep expectations down because I don't know what it's going to look like. No, nah, to hell with that. He's going to make a 10-game <laughs> win difference, I think. He's going to be a 25-point-per-game scorer, and the Heat will win 50 games next year with Deion Sturdy. Well, I'll say this. Look, I, I agree with you 100%. People look too much at like their past. We did this with Kyrie Irving yeah. when he was traded to Boston. Like, Look what he did in, in Cleveland. Well, he was the first two years of his career. Like, Guys get better when they're in the NBA. I still think we need to give Deion a shot and see what he can do. And look... If he develops and he looks good and he looks healthy, Miami could still trade him. And that might be the best-case scenario. If Miami is able to start moving some of these guys around, unclog the backcourt and start getting some assets um, in the toolbox that they can use later on. But uh, is there an Hassan Whiteside trade out there that makes sense? Bleacher Report seems to think so. We'll talk about that when we come back after this break. Back with Locked on Heat, let's get to our final mailbag question. This one comes from Billy, who writes in, Adam Frommel of Bleacher Report, uh, I've been on Adam's podcast before, yeah. has, a list, has a list of uh, trades for each team after free agency. He has Miami in three of them, but I hate the third trade because I don't want to see that heat, the Heat trade Justice Winslow. Mm-hmm. So here are his first two trades, both regarding Hassan Whiteside. Uh, I honestly don't hate either trade idea. I think I prefer the second trade with the Cavs. Asked a few co-workers about the trade. They don't like the idea of getting Nance 
but they think a Love and Whiteside duo, or losing Nance, they think a Love and Whiteside duo would be a better grouping than Love and Nance or Love and Tristan Thompson. Sounds like Billy's co-workers are Cavs fans. Mm. So let's talk about that second trade first, actually. All right. Um, because Billy has some opinions on that. The Cavs get Hassan Whiteside. Miami gets Kyle Korver, Larry Nance Jr., Tristan Thompson. So this is, again, from Adam Frommel's post on Bleach Report from a couple weeks ago. Miami getting Korver, Nance, Thompson... They add a little bit more salary in that in that deal. All they're all they're trading away is Hassan Whiteside, so they're adding about two to three million dollars uh, onto their payroll. So I don't think that they would do that just for that reason alone. But let's besides that, maybe they can make another you know satellite deal and they can and they can help their luxury tax issue that way. You mean the Cavs would take on more salary with Whiteside? The Heat would the Heat would take more yeah, salary right. on I, in that I deal. Think that's yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, I don't like the deal. I don't either. I, it's. It's not enough for me. I don't. I think Tristan Thompson would actually be really good for the Heat. I think what he brings to the table from a screen setting perspective, how he rolls to the rim, he's he tries harder. He's a good rebounder, and I think he's less of a headache. Even though he is sort of a headache, yeah, he's still less of a headache than Hassan Whiteside. But the other stuff doesn't do it for me. I don't want Larry Nance Jr. only because he's going to be a restricted free agent after the year. Miami has enough centers. They have their Bam Adebayo. I don't think Nance is a power forward in today's game. Um, and then Kyle Korver would have made sense if the Heat had not just re-signed Wayne Ellington. Good point. So I don't... It, it just doesn't do it. It's, it's not enough. It's not It's not worth even losing a Sun Whiteside because now you've got to find playing time for a guy like Tristan Thompson or even Larry Nance. So you're not all of a sudden creating playing time either for a guy like Bam Adebayo. So that doesn't that doesn't do it for me. What if it was like a three-team trade where you move Korver someplace else... And you just cut Nance outright, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, I know that he's young and he's got potential. I just, I don't see him being a fit here in, in an already clogged. You could probably, court. you could probably flip Nance for like a second round pick or something. That's fair. I mean, and that, um, that might be all he's so, worth. So then you would have Corver and Thompson for Whiteside and flipping Nance for a second rounder somewhere else. And so now Miami's getting, but again, it comes down to like I don't, I like Tristan Thompson as a player. I don't. I don't want him on this roster only because if if the Heat are trading Whiteside, I need I need to know that they're creating playing. I need to know that the two centers now are Kelly Olynyk and Bam Adebayo, and I like that look. And you know you can bring a guy like Udonis Haslam or even a Marcus Lee if he sticks off the bench for spot minutes here and there. You could play James Johnson, Justice Winslow at the center a little bit. That allows you to do more small ball stuff that we talked about on the top of the show. But if you bring a guy with, like Tristan Thompson back in a wide side deal, now you have to have you have to find playing time for Thompson. So I just it doesn't help Miami's salary cap relief. You're not getting any real tangible assets in return, and you're not helping unclog the center spot. So this it just doesn't. I'd rather just hang on to Whiteside at that point. I think Whiteside is immeasurably better than Thompson, even when he struggles yes. as much as he does. I think Tristan Thompson is a glorified Joel Anthony. <laughs> I, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I think, that's but he gets he into is. more. But he's get, he gets into more fights and he dates more Kardashians. Well, yeah, he also cheats on them too. So we don't. Okay, so we don't. We don't like that one. Let's go to the next one. Then. Okay. Um, the Heat get they, this is a, this is between Miami and Milwaukee. The Heat get Matthew Dellavedova, hmm. John Henson, hmm. Tyler Zeller, and a 2019 second round pick that comes from Denver. Milwaukee gets Whiteside. What do you think about this one? You know, the chance to get either a Zeller or a Plumley. I mean, that, Miami seems like the one team in the league that has not got <laughs> had either at this point. That's, so that's pretty impressive. Um, I don't I don't know that I like it either, to be honest with you. I, like, I, I'm a Della Vadova fan. 
I know yes. probably a lot of people won't agree, but I you wrote, think... You wrote that great profile for, uh, on him well, a couple years ago. I appreciate that. I, I, I mean, I, I just think... To check that out. I, I still think that there's a place in the league for somebody who's willing to, to try a little harder and give some maximum effort. So I think he, that would be appealing to the Heat fan base to see him go out he's there. Got that, he's got that Miami Heat culture vibe, oh, yeah. too. He's got like that old school Heat thing. I actually like the idea of Delvedova on the roster if, if it wasn't the, for the fact that the Heat have you know, 15 other guards that they have to find playing time for. Yes. This would be one of several trades probably to free up some room in the backcourt as well. I mean, John Henson, he's a fine, okay player. I don't know that Milwaukee would want to do this trade because they just signed Brooke Lopez, who spaces that floor out for them. So that allows Giannis Antetokounmpo to attack the paint a lot more effectively. So, I I mean, I I don't know that Whiteside is a good fit in Milwaukee at this point. From the Heat perspective... Are any of the players that you're getting or that second round pick, are they good enough to entice you to lose the potential of what Whiteside brings? I don't think so. So these seem like fine trades because, well, Bleacher Report has to put out content. And a lot of this content <laughs> is like this. But I don't know that any of these trades actually make sense for either of the teams involved. So I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of either trade two or trade one. I could see why the Bucks would do it if they think that Whiteside solves a lot of their problems. If Mike Budenholzer over there says... We need rebounding. We need rim protection. Whiteside gives us that. He's limited in every other aspect, but we're talented enough elsewhere between you know Giannis and Chris Middleton and Eric Blood so that we can make up for those deficiencies that the Heat couldn't make up for. And I think that that would be the case. I think Whiteside would actually be great for that Bucks team. I don't know, man. Um, but Holzer gave up on Dwight Howard after one season, and he had Al Horford before that. I, I don't know that he could stomach Whiteside and his limitations. Uh, that's know, a good point. If he, if he feels like he can. That said, I, I'm with you. I don't... Like, Delvadova, I like him, uh, but Miami has too many guards. So unless Miami's able to get rid of a guard in this situation, but now you're bringing on more bad salaries. So uh, John Henson's fine. I just, I I don't know. Like, he would be Miami's third best center, maybe, you know? Right. So he he does, like, you don't have to play John Henson, so he would solve that problem in the way the Cavaliers trade didn't. Like, if you trade, if you make this deal now, you could start Kelly Olenek and Bam Adebayo as your front court. And bring Henson in as a as a backup big. Um, would you start? Or, or maybe would, like that. Wouldn't you start Henson? Maybe you know, like in kind of the same Luke Babbitt type rotation where he, he starts, plays five minutes, and then goes to the bench. He's just in there. You could for, do that for quote unquote alleged rim protection. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of ways that they could do it, but you don't. You know, unlike Whiteside and Thompson, you're not forced to play him 20 plus minutes a game. Right. Um, and then that, that second round pick is nice, but it's a Denver Nuggets pick. It, it's probably just going to be somewhere in the middle, um, you know, 10 to 15, somewhere in there, yeah. which isn't bad. Uh, I would actually trade Whiteside for the second round pick by itself, but, you know, that would give the Heat a lot of salary cap relief and things like that, which just isn't possible. So, yeah, none of these trades. I would rather just, let's see what Whiteside, I can't believe we're doing this, but you have I think both to. of us are you at the point to. where you just, you kind of, let's see what Whiteside looks like when he's healthy. Let's see what, you know, this training program in Miami does for him. And then you hope that you could flip him for something better at the trade deadline. That's really it. Because um, none of these are, are enticing enough. But uh, we're going to, we have a lot of mailbag questions. So we're going we're gonna to break this up into two parts. We're going to, we're posting this one obviously right now because you're listening to it. We'll post the next one um, tomorrow. But that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. A quick note before we wrap up. We want to try something new to help the show. We're going to start taking our mailbag questions from our iTunes reviews. So that means to submit a question for our weekly mailbag that we do on Mondays, all you have to do is go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and include the question in your review. Going forward, we'll grab our questions from there first. 
Uh, and if this works, it'll help our show climb the iTunes charts, help people find the show, and then it'll, of course, organize our mailbag questions, which is helpful for us because we just have so many ways of getting your questions. Um, so this will be different than, than our recaps during the season. We'll still continue to answer questions and interact on Twitter and via email and using the hashtag AskLOEAT. So if this works, if this experiment works, we'll still take questions from there for our recaps, but we want to sort of separate the Monday mailbag questions uh, via the iTunes reviews and, again, get some more five-star reviews from you folks. So as always, you can reach us by email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or on Twitter by using the hashtag AskLOEAT and, of course, on iTunes uh, by leaving those reviews. Support the show by visiting Patreon. Our, our Patreon page at patreon.com slash lockdownheat. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, man. Thanks for listening. One last thing before you go. If you run a company and you're unhappy with your return from advertising online or in print, try something new and advertise on a podcast here at Lockdown Heat. This is a great opportunity for local South Florida businesses to connect with Heat fans. More and more people are listening every day. 50% of U.S. households listen to a podcast, and one in five Americans between ages 18 and 49 listen to at least one a month. That's according to Nielsen. Thanks to the rise in mobile options from iTunes to Spotify and more, to your smart speaker at home, there's more ways than ever to listen to podcasts. Now is the time to get in. Be ahead of your competition and start advertising on a podcast with us. Our rates are reasonable and based on the number of listens, so you get what you pay for, with numbers to back it up. Whereas print, TV, and radio ads are a shot in the dark. You have no idea who is reading, watching, or listening. That's not the case with podcasts. If you want to reach engaged, passionate, and knowledgeable South Floridians, this is the way to do it. For more information on next steps, email us at lockedonheat at gmail.com, and we could be talking about your company on the next episode.